Welcome to the Black Magic Collective podcast presented by Black Magic Design. This podcast is made by filmmakers for filmmakers. Join at blackmagiccollective.com to enjoy free membership and all that comes with it. Now, on with the show. Um, with no further ado, let's bring up our lucky contestants for today. Amazing. So first we have editor Lex Benedict from Long Lost Pictures, who has had films distributed through major platforms, including Ava DuVernay's Array for Netflix. Let's bring her up. Welcome, welcome, Lex. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And then we also have director, screenwriter, and editor who specializes also in special effects, Jason Sheedy, who he's had scripts placed in top competitions and he sold his horror film to Showtime. Let's bring up Jason. Hey, Jason. Hey, everybody. Thank you. And I was Jason, we recently met because he submitted his film to the Black Magic Collective Film Festival and he was selected as pick of the month for May. So congrats, Jason. He moves on. Thank to- you be screened by our industry judges and potentially screen as a finalist in our film festival that's live in November. And I'd say there's a good chance because your film is creative, unique, and awesome. And we're going to show you guys a clip of that later. And Lex uh, and I have worked together for over a decade. We haven't worked together in years because we've both gotten busy doing, there was a point where we never, we had nothing to do. So we were making stuff and now we're so busy. We don't get to work together. I don't like that. Give us money. Exactly. Um, But Lex, with me and without me, has worked on some insane projects and posts where it's been like you have no budget or you have no time to color or whatever it is. And so we're going to dive into all of that. The one thing I would love to ask you both is what's one thing you wish you knew before you ever started working on your first micro budget feature? How to set boundaries. Oh, that's a good one. From the very beginning, so everybody's on the same page about time and flexibility. And to remind people that can you cheerlead me through this process instead of looking at your watch? <laughs> Send me pizza and balloons and say, you got this, girl. <laughs> well, that's, that's, we laugh, but it's so true that like we always, through all of this process, all the micro budget stuff we talked about, and I don't care if it's huge budget, You've got to not, you've got to be supportive of your team. You've hired them for a reason. They're doing the best they can. And obviously if, if you're finding out at some point they're not, then there's another discussion to be had. But I know in Lex's case, this woman is a machine. <laughs> I, I won't quit. Your movie will be done. <laughs> yeah. And there's points where I've been like, Lex, you need to quit. <laughs> and she still did. Um, that's great. I love that. And the first thing you said, what was the first, um, oh, the boundaries. So important, especially when you're doing post, because you I always put in a contract that for my editor, for my even my writers and prep, whatever. This is how many revisions you get on the money that we've discussed. Here's you know the money that it will cost after those revisions, so that you're protected as an editor, so you're not doing this for a year while someone keeps tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. Um, and so it makes you be mindful on your notes because you know you only have so much time with mm, me. That's great. So just be mindful of your, your, your people will bleed for you if you're mindful of their time. For sure. Jason, did anything pop up for you? Yeah, no, I think I would piggyback off of that. I feel like respect and kindness go a long way, especially if you're expecting people to work for free or next to nothing, you know, making sure that the things you don't go cheap on are, you know, safety measures and feeding people like good meals and, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, I definitely feel like uh, with the film, uh, checkpoint that we're, we're talking about earlier that we're going to show a clip from like you can't plan enough and I feel like that's you know some of the more basic info you can get but I do believe that 
as long as you know going into it what you're capable of doing and sort of what you have access to and the resources for, then you're going to come out with a great film. I feel like it's it's tricky sometimes to want to have to be able to do a certain type of shot or this, and then you know you realize too late you know you couldn't do that, and then your film suffers for it. Um, so I think all the planning you can do and having an understanding of that post process helps. You know, realizing like I can get away with shooting this this way and cheating it this way, so you can save money in those areas. I, I would love to go from that what you just said, um, talking as sort of the filmmaker, and then Lex is the editor. What are things that when Jason's talking about these shots and prepping them, is there a point? Because I don't think enough filmmakers talk to their editors before they shoot. And I know you just did a big sci-fi thing, too, where you guys are raising money. What are some things that filmmaker could have done to help you in post? Storyboard. If I have your storyboards and I know it saves me time when I'm editing and then we can elevate your project instead of me beating it my head against it to get to that elevation point, which sometimes happens on the last draft. So if I can do that on my first or second cut, imagine how much better the film's gonna be. For sure. And I think a lot of times micro budget films, one of the things you guys don't get, which I know it's been in my case, is you don't always get a script supervisor. So there's not even any notes. So as a director, I try really hard on set to make important notes that we know are gonna come back and bite us later. Whether it's slate issues or whether it's like, all of these takes suck except for this because of sound issues or we didn't get the coverage of this. Anything I know that's going to help later, I try to at least get those notes down. That's great. Um, and pivot at lunch. If you know you're not going to get the shot, get your meeting of minds together and be like, how can we still tell the best story even though we can't do this 12-minute wonder? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Neela, feel free to jump in whenever because you know me. I'll yeah, just for sure. No, for sure. That's really great advice, actually, Lex. Um, I'm in the middle of prep for my film, and I'm like having all of these things in mind when I'm about to go into production. I'm just like, okay, I want I want to have my editor involved in the pre the prep process and like just keep them in the loop of everything. Um, so going off of that, what is the biggest mistake you see most when you go in to edit a film and what can you do to like I guess prevent some of those mistakes that people do specifically in um my guess in, is one of them is going to be crossing the line how many times you got to flip screens and figure out eye lines yeah or pretend like you did it on purpose <laughs> <laughs> totally intentional it's for the art. <laughs> We're over here now. <laughs> um, learning to light for different skin tones that are going to mm. be on camera at the same time is something I run into a lot. That's so important. That is so massively important. I feel like it's too often that people do not know how to light for darker skin tones. And it is really unfortunate. And I feel like there needs to be more like more demos on how to light for darker skin tones and more awareness about that because it's just it's not always at the top of people's minds um when and taking that into consideration on set and in prep so that's really good advice thank you i, I think even when even beyond skin tones just thinking about your lighting matching the less your colorist has to do in post the better so like when you're rushing because you don't have enough time, you don't have enough money and all that stuff, still just taking a moment to be like, what I do is I take, which I will just take a, you know, a can, I'll take my phone, I'll take a 
screenshot of the one side. So when we get to the other side, I can just quickly pull it up and see what the other side looked like. That works for eyeline. That works for matching That's color, matching frame. And I don't think enough people do that. It's such a simple way to save your butt later. I agree. That's so smart. Um, Jason, you said you work for a big production house. Is there things that you see coming through even at that level that are like, why do I keep seeing the same issue over and over again? Uh, no, I think we have, we have a pretty small team. Um, yeah, we do like commercial and branded content stuff and they're, they're pretty great about, you know, making sure they get what we need. And, um, we sort of operate on the idea of, you know, that I, I, as an editor, I know, you know, what the shoot is well before they shoot it. So if there are things like a storyboard or something that I can, you know, go in and make an animatic for anything that might create a, a solution for a potential problem, uh, we, we have the ability to do that. So it's actually a really great workflow and, a the team all drives together. So it's, it's actually really nice. So <laughs> yeah, it's, that's not normal. So enjoy it. Yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> I would love us to kind of put our brains together and create a sort of a, almost a checklist of like, here's the things you should think about before even going into production when it's going to be. But you're thinking about these because of post. Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is sound. Um, we did playing with Beethoven, my last feature, we did it with all the music recorded live, which causes its own problems. And the music stuff was actually the best stuff. We had dialogue issues. Like we have so much sound problems with the dialogue because we were so focused on the music. Um, so besides sound, which is, I think, the constant issue, uh, are there anything else that comes to mind for you guys? I'm like, how can people prep in production for posts? <clears throat> not you know, like once we said storyboards, but <clears throat> and even storyboards, I believe you're really storyboarding action shots, special effects shots. It's not about your storyboarding your whole movie. Um, even shot lists on these kind of budgets, it's kind of like you make one, but it goes out the window most of the time. Try to hire somebody that's done it before. I know that sounds crazy because it's low budget and you don't have any money, but if you reach out to mid-level people who have steady jobs and can't afford to work on an art project on the weekends, they're going to bring so much information that four new filmmakers aren't going to have. So, I love yeah. that you said that. And I think that all the best, and I, want, I bet Jason will be able to back that up because we'll, we'll jump into his film too. But like one thing that I've noticed on all of my friends' films who do insanely incredible things on no money is they'll go, Oh yeah, I had the, the stunt guys from star Wars, you know, or I had the DP from whatever. And it does make a difference if you can get them on board. Yep. You don't have to call all your favors in on one movie either. Hopefully we're making 10 movies, 20 movies right. in our lifetime. So be smart about which favors right. you're calling in. Right. It's like, what is, which, which favor do I need for this movie? For yep. sure. Um, Jason, let's kind of move into, special effects specifically because your short film that is the pick of the month just was like i don't like it was already hilarious without the special effects but i think the special effects just make us really pay attention because i'm like how the hell does he do this on no money was this calling in favors through your post house like how did you make that happen uh i'm fortunate enough i had uh, some buddies that i uh, was roomies with and have you know become best friends from college that are in visual effects who can kind of like coach me on some things um I think there were about 120 effect shots in the film. So then, I mean, granted, I'm also have to, you know, have to be respectful of their time. So it's like, here's the six shots that I have no idea how to handle. Can you help me with these? And then I'll do, you know, these other ones, you know, where it's the tracking's easier. Or it's like adding in, you know, stock effects. Uh, but certainly, you know, they're, 
that's I, I, I want to just drive that point home because I think that that's something newer filmmakers don't necessarily do um, is is again, it goes back to being conscious people's time, like Lex was saying. Knowing because we have a I'm writing a short film or written a short film that's got a lot of special effects. And the one thing I did was with I went to a special effects person and I was like, what are the things that we got to get rid of because it's ridiculous to think of doing. And what are the money shots that, you know, that's the things I think you have to think about before you shoot so that you're not screwing yourself in post when you can't pull it off to, because if you do have an effect that looks like crap, why are you even doing it? There's too many people out there competing with you that are doing really great stuff, which we'll show you a clip. Actually, should we show the clip Kayla of uh, Jason's? Amazing. You've gotten some insane stuff in there. Uh, do you want to do like the quick setup of your movie just so people kind of context? Uh, uh, sure. Yeah. Essentially, it's about a guy that wakes up in like an alien landscape and is put through these trials where he's sort of going through this. Every time he dies, he resets, but his corpse is still there so he can kind of loot his own body. And he's basically just trying to find a way out. So it's very inspired by video games, horror movies, sci-fi, all that kind oh. of stuff. <laughs> So those shots in there, of all those shots, how did you do most of those? Which ones did your, your post friends do? Sure. That sequence there was, um, that was all me. So that was, and um, I guess just going off of what we talked about earlier with, you know, making sure you have what you need. Like, I would say, I think all of those are actually from a site called Production Crate. So, you know, finding sites like Production Crate or Action VFX, which you can essentially pay to have access to this library of, you know, thousands and thousands of assets. And they're not terribly expensive and it's like well you've got all these elements that you know would have taken me months to create from scratch that I can literally download and swap in there in minutes um, so I think you know being able to look at sites like that beforehand and say like okay I want to have a gunfight like can I go find these laser elements somewhere that are already created you know for an affordable price um, so that was a lot of building that scene out and just kind of honestly because I'm an editor too like in posts you can kind of find out how things work better so like when we shot that you know we didn't anticipate like the zoom ins or the camera necessarily you know moving around as much so it's sort of how can we elevate that once we're actually in the post room and make those effects kind of you know feel a little bit more impactful wow so that's that's insane you did all that in post can you give me the names of those sites again for the effects yeah so production crate and then uh, action vfx so, and yeah, they, I, I don't remember offhand and I'm certainly not sponsored anything, but I think production crate was something like six, 10 bucks a month, which is, you know, I know everything's subscription based right now, but I actually kind of like that because then you can, you know, opt in for, you know, the months you need it and then you're out and you've got access to all these hundreds of different, you know, yeah, things that you can use for your film. So it's great. And they're giving you unlimited. Um, I just want to make sure I have production crate. What was the other one? Action. Action VFX. Yeah. VFX. I just want to put them in there because I think that those are very, I didn't even know about them. So that's. Awesome. And they're indie filmmakers, so you're supporting indie filmmakers mm -hmm. by using them. Oh, that's amazing. Diet. Yeah, another great one is um, Film Riot. They actually have a YouTube channel that they do a lot of, like, DIY stuff, very, very much in the low-budget indie, you know, 
space and they make great shorts, but they also have a site called Triune Digital, I believe yep. it's called, but they have kind of the same idea where you can buy packs of assets. And I always, um, <laughs> there are two things I do on Black Friday. I go buy new pairs of jeans and I, and I go to the, all these sites and, you know, there's plugins and everything. They normally have like the 50% off. So that's like my big, what do I think I might need over the course of the next year kind of thing. Um, but yeah. Wow. That's what great. did you do with the motion tracking for your, did you do Mocha Pro? So I used Mocha, just the AE version of Mocha. Um, since it was primarily like planar tracking, like it handled basically all of that, uh, which comes uh, standard with After Effects, which is really nice too. So you get the subscription for that and then you feel like I sound like a sales guy right now. I'm like, no. you can get this. <laughs> Boom. You should probably have an affiliate link um, because <laughs> you're selling it. Like I'm ready to go get a subscription right now. Not for uh, real. <laughs> great. Uh, Kayla, what you got on your brain? Yeah. Um, I guess what is the hardest part of post on micro budget? <laughs> not, not knowing your distribution. When I'm brought on to a bigger budget film, we know where we're going. Usually a micro budget, we are just praying and hoping at the end. So you're not quite sure if you're going to be streaming, if you're in theatrical, if you're on the web. So just knowing what the end goal is going to be is kind of hard as a editor. That part of because each place has its own things you might need to edit for, edit out. Color space, UHD. You know, I'm still trying to deliver in 4K to a lot of places and they're like, no, 2K. I'm like, oh. so stuff like that, just figuring out a lot of people are playing with like different frame rates and different, you know, going between like a 16 by nine to a one by one frame in their movies to be more interesting, like The Lighthouse. And and how do you figure out how to deliver that on a low budget? Because that's when all your costs come in is delivery, DCPs hard yeah. drives <laughs> make sure yeah. you buy people fast hard drives that's the one splurge <laughs> i suggest what hard drives would you suggest i really love owc i have never had a problem with their raid 5 knock on my fake wood desk um <laughs> you know i mean just as long as you're backing up your drives and you're disc warrioring them you can even use western digital so you can everything technology wise has gotten better but just be smart no, oh, I like it. I'm constantly yeah, asked, what really can I get? I'm like, you know, I always say at least get the one fast one and then just get some ones to dump as backups. Because I know a lot of indie filmmakers will get this the expensive one. They'll get like three of those. I'm like, why? You're only going to edit off one of those. The other two are going to sit in a drawer forever. Like, <laughs> unless, you know, the worst happens. Shiny. No, that's really good advice, actually. Uh, Jason, what about you? What is your hardest part of post on a micro budget? Uh, I think, if I'm being honest, I feel like sometimes it's staying motivated. I mean, from my perspective, if if I'm doing like you know the shorts, especially something like Checkpoint, where it is very effects heavy, I think it was like six months. But it's like the only time to work on that. I, I have a full time job, you know, that puts in so many hours a week. So it's not like I'm, you know, working on that Monday through Friday. It's like I'm working on that after my wife and I eat dinner and. Mm -hmm. you know, watch our show. And then, you know, it's from like 10 until, you know, two in the morning, you know, weeknights. And then you try to get some Saturdays and Sundays in. And I think, I think just trying to balance that out, like obviously you still want to have a life, but you know, the only way to get something done is to work on it. Um, so Absolutely. I think 
staying motivated for me is is kind of finding that like festival that you want to target. So it's like that's the that's mm-hmm. the one. I, if in a perfect world, and to Lex's point, yeah, you don't really have that guarantee. You're just kind of hoping like no. what you end up with, you know, gets into that. But that that always gives me like a tangible deadline. Like this festival's in the fall. I'm going to aim for that. I need to get it done by that date. And then it's sort of just smart. So it's really smart, especially with indie film when you're not like, especially if you're the filmmaker, you're the director, you've financed it. Now you're editing it. There's nothing that's going to make you like, there's nothing that I took probably two plus years to finish playing with Beethoven. Cause like I had to edit it in between everything else. And at some point I had to be like, okay, here's my fucking, my oops cursing here's my deadline <laughs> we're gonna get to, like i have to have this deadline i may i don't know what would maybe do it but i had to get that to that deadline because it will just literally go on forever and that's not even tweaking that's just like oh i have to sit down and do that hard scene today and i don't want to do the hard scene you know <laughs> like is there anything that gets you um like especially lex because you edit a lot um is there something that ever gets you sitting down do you go i'm gonna tackle the hard scene to get it over with or what do you what's your philosophy I go see a movie and I sit in the theater and I just absorb how happy people are when they get to escape life and go on an adventure. And then I come back and I'm like, yes, I'm going to make green night. (laughs) That's amazing. Do you, how do you set like, so obviously you find a festival, Jason, or you suggested find a festival that you want to target. And then how do you break down those like steps into smaller like, or break down the big goal into smaller steps in order to keep yourself motivated and hit those checkpoints. Is there any advice you give to that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, to Lex's point again, I I do think like, you know, staying inspired and watching movies and because you get that like high sometimes when you watch a movie and you're like, I want to do that, you know, or um, you just kind of, you know, re-gives you that drive or whatever. But um, I think for me, it's, it's very much about, and it's kind of the boring answer, but it's like staying very organized and, you know, making like, spreadsheets of like here's the hundred visual effects shots here's what i want to try and get this one done by like and trying to organize like i i always like to have a little bit of like if i can get a good head start on something then i'm in it you know it's it's always that first leap of like oh god it's a hundred visual effects shots like i just want to go play video games you know um so because you do have like you can always do the like look i'm going to do two things on this list today and then what happens is you sit down and you end up doing 12 but exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're like, I just want to do these two today. And there's an organization. There's some, there's a map. That's another, I love a checklist. Kayla and I, man, we have so many. <laughs> it's insane. Some really good advice a friend gave me um, was he's also a, a psychologist and he was like, anytime you have something that you are just dreading to do, just tell yourself, I'm only going to do this for five minutes. You might like knowing your brain, like, okay, I need to do this for an hour, but like, just tell yourself, I'm only going to do this for five minutes. I'm only going to do this for five minutes. You start doing it and then you're in it. So you just have to kind of like trick your brain to be and like, okay, we're only going to do it for five minutes. Makes sense. Yeah. That's the important part though. Like don't, mm-hmm. don't, um, discipline yourself. Don't get mad at yourself if you didn't do more than five minutes, because then you'll never do the five minutes again, which will turn into, because some days you just face it. The, I my thing is what I think is the hardest part of micro budget, especially in post, is you're always almost always doing it by yourself. <laughs> there is no support team. Like at least on set, there's a, even on micro budget, you at least have two or three of you on set. You have nobody. You're just like, okay, I'm here by myself in my garage editing today. You know? um, I, I buy my, I do buy myself a wrap gift. 
So I oh, pick out a gift and I buy it for myself when I finish. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, great. We have a bot, Kayla. I don't know why bots I'm have been getting into YouTube live them. a lot. Um, Locked. So let's talk about Lex. I think you have a clip of something. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Yeah, she... Lex recently sold a micro-budget film uh, to Pureflix, and the film is titled At Your Own Risk. The trailer is very interesting. I want to ask, um, you know what, let's play the clip, and then I'll ask you questions okay. about it. Okay. This is so beautiful. Do you think that maybe we've gotten a little too wrapped up in our company and we've forgotten that places like this exist? I hate the desert. What? The desert has a mind of its own. It's like it's out to get you. We're not gonna die, Tay. We're looking to hire a PR firm to help us launch this very unique adventure experience in the style of a treasure hunter geocache, if you will. The great thing is you'd be paid for doing a beta test. And if you successfully complete the journey, you're hired. There's coordinates, great. Let them know that we love this part of the gate. This is great. Look at this car. This set deck's amazing. It's gorgeous. someone here we made it to the last cache come out we want our money we want to go home wait they want us to know they can see us at least that means they didn't abandon us in the middle of nowhere you think they're gonna start telling us the truth now i want to keep playing the game you want to finish the game after all of this yeah i do let's just get home maybe there's some things about me you don't know there's gotta be a mistake how did they send us here i can't take it anymore they're winning Seems so dark for pure flicks. It's a queen thriller. <laughs> is there, is that's what that's what it's so that's cool. I didn't know they did that. So there yeah. you go, indie filmmakers, a whole other distribution platform that didn't even know you could go to. And Tubi, um, Tubi also took us on in Roku TV. So Tubi, if you have a under twenty thousand dollar movie, Tubi, 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 Tubi. To be or not to be, that's always the question. <laughs> Sorry, bad. Talk to us about that. Like, so I know that there was like a, they did like maybe what a two, the two actors and like a one, two person crew for that. It was all department heads. So basically, a director of photography, a director, the two girls are producers and actresses. I'm the editor and a writer, so six people. And then we brought on a composer and a sound person. So eight person team, but we all came together and we're like, what do we have? Nobody said money, but we had <laughs> a desert <laughs> and we could use our cars and the girls could do makeup and we owned a camera and our director did the sound as he was directing. Wow. Wow. Yep. So it was only four people shooting and they were sending stuff back to me and they were using their phone to slate and 
Yeah, it was insane. So $5,000, I think, is what it all costs because you still got to eat and pay for gas. And that was in New Mexico that we shot. And then the importance of a poster and a trailer. So we put another 5,000 into that. So that has us a 10 grand and that's it. And then wow. we sold it for a little more than that. Hey, make a profit, man. That's great. And build that's an awesome. audience. That was our whole goal was to build an audience. That's actually a really good point to, to go with for a second here as well is when we talk about knowing your end game, even if you don't know who your distributor is going to be or how you're going to distribute it, you should know what your end game is. And if that end game is mm -hmm. audience, that's a different, that's different steps you might be taking than if your end game is to make money. Um, Cause if your end game is to make money, you've got to do things like not always, but you've got to usually get a name in that, get a known face in there, you know, get certain production value elements in there. If it's just to get an audience, just make a really great freaking story that when people watch it, they're sharing with their friends. Yep. And they start following you. And then those are the people that will help you fund your next film, which might just be a little bit more money, but you have your audience. You know, people want to hear your storytelling, which is better than money. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Uh, Jason, how did you get connected to Showtime with your, did you have a sales agent or did you go directly? We had a sales agent. Yeah, we had done kind of a similar path. You had finished the film, you know, started to make work on promotional materials. This was like six or seven years ago at this point. Um, but we had gone to the American film market um, out in Santa Monica there. So we, we, my producer friend Kyle and I would kind of go there just to kind of, before we made the film, we were like, what's, what's selling? Like, what are, what are people buying into? And like, I'm, I'm a horror person in general, but horror is usually more, I guess, tangible as far as, you know, indie filmmaking goes, because, you know, you're so you're sort of selling the experience versus potentially an A-list talent member. It's like, and um, I, I feel like there's always sort of been a market for that. So that was sort of where we decided, like, let's do this, you know, horror film, this low budget horror film. Um, but yeah, we had we had pitched it and, you know, done the the thing where, you know, go room to room and pitch it. And some people would ask to see the trailer. Some people would be like, eh, you know, and finally we got uh, a nibble through a company called Shoreline um, and they had kind of gone well you know once it goes through the ropes with them and then they start working their magic and uh, it ended up on Showtime so that's great Amazing. did you make your own poster and trailer or did they end up making it for you I did the trailer um, my my buddy Brett Brooks who's the lead actor in Checkpoint he's kind of my um, just kind of my go-to guy for all that stuff but he he had done the poster I think they had they had tweaked it after the fact. That's always something too. I I learned you have to sort of let go of. It's like you know once you hand that film off, like they may change the poster, they may change the trailer, they ended up changing the title of the film. You know things like that where you're just like, you know, your first time you're just like ah, it's like, <laughs> especially we if you're had, like, eh. our um our poster. We had actually have a really beautiful poster. I for playing Beethoven, but the distributor wanted something poppy and bright, and then super airbrushed and just looks like terrible and then you're embarrassed as a filmmaker because you're like uh i didn't do this to you actors like <laughs> this is not my, i have no idea to do with this at all um, same our, we have the same distributor jen for our last movie and they also changed our poster and we called and said this is not our movie and they said but this is the marketing numbers people are going to buy this movie over yours yeah, and it's kind of a bummer too because I think that sometimes when that happens, you put, you know, you as your team will probably put anywhere from a year to five years or more into this one film, and then someone comes along and goes, 
Determine what post was used in a big movie versus uh, in Hollywood versus indie films, and how do I replicate post for a particular scene from the movie? And then on top of that, where can I get movie clips with post details? If anyone wants to jump in, I can jump in. I think um, this is. I mean, this it's one of those questions. I feel like where there's probably a million possible answers, but I, I do think like in terms of like you know, what, what they're posting with, I, especially nowadays, like it used to be like, you know, only Avid, like Avid was sort of like the industry, like only people used Avid, which was expensive and everything. And now you've got things like Final Cut, Adobe, DaVinci Resolve, um, where you have access to a lot more tools that will help you. Um, as far as like specifically, you know, how a scene was posted, I mean, the easiest way is just to find those behind the scenes things. And I don't think you really see a lot, and, and Lex, correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen too many things that in my behind the scenes sort of browsing where you actually see like, um, you know, like the actual editing timeline and how something was put together. Uh, it's becoming more commonplace now, which is cool, you know, to see. I'm not sure what it is on Instagram, but they actually show you the editing timelines for like big blockbusters and it's just chaos. <laughs> um, so yeah. follow your favorite filmmakers because they're going to be posting stuff as they go, even though if it's not in one place for you to study. Um, there's places like One Perfect Shot will tell you kind of like, how this shot was achieved, or there's a forum with people talking about the lighting setups. Um, a lot of cinematographical groups will actually post their lighting setups that you can check out. And I'd also say Reddit. There's a lot of Reddit asking questions. Will People will be pretty honest about how they made their films. So again, it's researching online and putting in the work on Saturday morning with your coffee and stalking your favorite filmmakers because I'm sure they want to talk about it. And also at some point you can reach out to some people. Twitter is the best way to talk to our heroes. Be kind and so polite. Yeah, are asking things that are positive about their films. Um, one of my favorite TikToks is called behind the scenes underscore 04. And it's, there's not a lot of videos but the videos there are fan freaking fantastic. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask what we've talked a lot about, like problems that we have in post hurdles that we have to overcome, how to like prepare so that we don't have to deal necessarily with those problems in post. Mm -hmm. But I want to ask, what is the best part of working on post in micro budget? You get to art. <laughs> you get <laughs> to make art and people let you have an opinion and respect your opinion. And it's not so much I'm paying you do this. Now you have, it depends on who you're working with and every collaboration is different, but I find that the micro budget film meeting of minds is more collaborative. It's, it's a joy actually. I love it. Yeah. I think that, I mean, for me personally, it's just, that's like where you, I'm, I'm biased of course, as I'm an editor, but post to me is like the most, you know, satisfying, like not to say that, I mean, every part of filmmaking is equally important to me. Like it all has to work, you know, but, when you're in the editor room, you actually seen a scene play out and it's like, you get that laugh, you know, if, 
if I bring my wife down, I show her a scene and she like giggles and walks out. I'm like, yeah, I did it. You know, well, <laughs> and those are the like, moments. Absolutely. I mean, you're literally watching and creating and putting the project together into a cohesive piece. And I feel like, yes, there's a project that is made on set, but it's like almost a totally separate movie in post sometimes, you know, and there's so much beauty in that. Yeah, and we're the last so writers, which is fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is Absolutely. also why you should be really nice to your editor. I know. <laughs> your editor and your waitress. I have your food, they have yes. your food. <laughs> your editor can literally, if they love you and your movie, can elevate you. If they're just doing it for the paycheck, they can just cut, cut, cut and be done with it. And there's a big mm -hmm. difference. Um, we have a question Definitely. from Martha. She wanna know, if Jason, if you could reiterate how you got into the distributor marketplace pitch opportunity. Sure. sure. Well, for so specifically for that horror film patient, um, we had literally went online, bought a week pass, whatever it was, to the American film market. Um, we'd gone there and we had kind of just like walked around and we had met a um, entertainment lawyer who sort of acted as our sales agent um, through one of my colleagues uh, or through my producer, Kyle, one of his colleagues. Um, so, I mean, some of that, obviously, that's not super helpful. That's just kind of the luck of the draw. Like, hey, this guy knows somebody who knows somebody that could help you in this specific environment. Um, and she was able to set up some meetings for us. And then from there, it was our job, you know, to do our homework on each company. Like these, you know, this company, you know, wants a, a female-led drama, you know, with a soft thriller focus, maybe not the best for your horror movie, that kind of thing. But it was literally, um, and to be honest, I, I, I did our first pitch meeting for that. I went and I botched it. I did terrible. <laughs> I did so bad that I had to go back. I went back to the hotel room. Like, I, Kyle, I need to go back and like do the work. And I sat in the hotel room one day, rewrote the pitch and rewrote it probably 20 different times for, you know, the companies and like ta I tailored it specifically to what those companies were looking for. So, I mean, and sometimes it would, you know, we'd get lucky. I would say like, this is a, you know, a female-led horror film that takes place in one room and that's all it needed. And they're like, cool, let me see a trailer. Um, and other times you needed more. But I, I mean, I know that's sort of a, a around-the-bend way of saying do your homework, but I do feel like just getting the research done in there helps a lot and just kind of knowing like what to expect. Um, but in some cases, it's also just taking that leap, like saying I'm going to save up and, you know, spend the money to go to this market and um, talk to who I can talk to and put in the work to make sure I get in that room. KM has a question. Is there a general post-production checklist you go by, or do you create your own specific to that project? Do either of you have any thoughts? Uh, my checklist is generally the same, but it's it's really based on the what the it is based on the project because a drama is going to be easier checklist for me. I'm more interested if we have a composer that's going to help me build some of those moments than like a sci-fi film where I'm like, am I doing the special effects or do we have budget for that? Because we need to pull, how can we do some of this practically that I'm not going to have the time for or the resources for in post? So it's definitely very specific to your team and what your genre of project is. Same with horror, you know, am I going to be adding blood and how are we going to track that? Or are we going to be doing that practical? I'm a post person, but I really appreciate directors that try to do stuff practically as much as they can. And I think I definitely, yeah, I think checklist wise, like, again, just being as thorough and it starts off as like five things and then, you know, it's 30 by the end of the day and then it's a hundred. It's just, I like to have an idea of like exact, like literally every little thing I need to do, you know, based on like, you know, this is the assembly edit, then we're going to do the fine cut, you know, in the process, like, 
I'm just going to get it all laid out. Then I'm going to go in and add B-roll. Then I'm going to go do all the sound effects and music, but like literally listing out each step and kind of crossing it off as I go. And as I notice things, just add them into a doc so I don't forget about them. Because I'm, I'm definitely the type of person where if it's not written down, then I forget about it. <laughs> and update, update your team as you're doing that. Because if you are working with newer filmmakers, they might not know the process. So you really at the front of the week can just be last week I did this, this week I'm doing this. We got this team and people appreciate that. I For told sure. you it's so good to work with Lex. Doesn't she make you feel warm and fuzzy? <laughs> um, the other thing is you should definitely, like, even beyond that, is just talking through it with each department head. Um, so if if you're the director, each department head will be able to have things that you can add to your checklist that you know, you know. Um, and in, we don't have the luxury, usually a micro-budget, to have assistance and Sometimes you don't even have an assist, a first assistant, a director, which is crazy, but it's a lot. Uh, but I love that Gadali, who's always doing good things for filmmakers, putting things out there. He says he's been working on creating a huge checklist template for everything. Most projects have at least the same general steps. That's great, Gadali. I'd love for you to share that um, through BMC. Maybe we can do something in the newsletter when you have that ready, if you're open to that. Um, that's great. Um, anybody else have any questions? Because we're going to be wrapping up here shortly. And it looks yeah. like I've lost Facebook, apparently. I'm getting text messages, so hopefully they find oh. uh, We were having problems with Facebook last stream, too. I don't know what happened. But David Kuntz, you have a question. How do you know what level of production value to aim for? Sometimes I do an effect that looks like <clears throat> it costs a million dollars, but other times it seems impossible for even a simple, quote unquote, uh, thing to look good. Yep. <laughs> That That's is when the you question. Call in a favor. <laughs> I feel like it's it's. I mean, it's certainly like a shot by shot basis. But yeah, I feel like there's plenty of times where just the circumstances weren't right, or you shoot something one way, thinking it's going to work out, and it doesn't. And I think, I mean, those are the situations where I feel like you you're kind of forced into getting creative and like. And honestly, like I, something again I love about posts is finding tools that like. And this may seem like a, a weird answer, but finding tools to sort of cover the mistake or make it seem less like. Um, screen shake, for example, in After Effects, throw on some screen shake and some motion blur, that effect that doesn't look so good, now you can't tell. <laughs> I know it seems like a weird answer, but I, I do think there's little tricks and things like that where, um, especially if it's a short shot, you know, you might be able to find a way to sort of amp it up um, and, and add more to the story, you know, if it has more impact because it's shaking or something like that. But um, Add a camera move to it in After Effects. Yeah, just little things you can do in post to try and make that more dynamic for sure. And people are forgiving. The audience is smart and they're forgiving and they give grace. They are excited and are rooting for indie filmmakers. It doesn't feel like it a lot if you go to IMDb and read the comments, but I do think most of our audience wants to see what we have and is excited about that. For sure, for sure. Um, if you have any final questions, get them in. Kayla's gonna be picking our art list random winner and then we're going to be showing you a little a uh, little bit about art list because it's another feature that will help you guys out um as we wrap up here are there any final things that come to your guys's mind that you're like oh yeah this or on this project this weird thing happened and we got through it just I keep know. going just keep going keep making art it took me 10 years to I'm still living paycheck to paycheck, but 10 years where people started to appreciate me and offer me what I was worth. So just keep going. I know that sounds terrible and easy, but keep going. <laughs> but I don't think it's, I think it's great advice. And I also think that in, hidden inside that is knowing your worth. 
Because yes. um, I'm telling you what, Lexia been asking for way more than 10 years ago. I know. I know her work <laughs> ethic. I know how what she's capable of. And I know the kind of crap she's put up with. <laughs> Both <Yeah>. of us. <laughs> but we made it. We survived. <laughs> Even though there's plenty of days, I'm sure all of you feel this too. Plenty of days you're like, why do I do this? I think I would just say like, and, and this is something that personally I kind of, um, you know, after our feature, I'd sort of taken a break from making things and I was just focusing on writing features and trying to focus more on the screenplay route and then kind of got that itch to do more shorts again. And there's always that voice inside your head. That's like, I don't know, but you gotta, you gotta wait until it's perfect or like, don't do this if you can't make it, you know, the best it can be. And like, and certainly there's, you know, some relevancy in that, but I do think getting out and making stuff, knowing that, you know, it may not be exactly how it's going to be in your head, but just getting in the practice of going out and being active and making things and letting yourself, you know, kind of be vulnerable to that it helps a lot. I think just, we tried to give ourselves a challenge of like last year doing three, the checkpoint was the third of these, uh, this trio of sci-fi shorts we did, but we kind of just wanted to go out and have fun. And I mean, honestly, it was just a group of friends getting together, making movies. And that kind of took me back to why I even got into it in the first place. And, um, you know, checkpoint, and I, I love it. I'm proud of it. Don't get me wrong, but there's, there's definitely parts where we're like, eh, it probably could have been better. And in 10 years, I might be like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> but I, think I don't just... think that ever goes away. I don't think yeah. that ever. I think that even, I'm sure that even, you know, people who are making, I don't know, Obi-Wan Kenobi or whatever, Deborah Chow's probably like, oh, I hated that we didn't have enough time for that scene. <laughs> so I don't think that ever goes away. No, I think quote, yeah. it's never finished. Somebody just takes it away. Yep. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this today. You've been listening to the Black Magic Collective Podcast. If you're having fun talking tech and the biz with us, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please leave reviews as it helps others find the show so we can keep making great content for you. We're also on all of your favorite podcast apps as well as YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please visit blackmagiccollective.com to join and be part of the filmmaker community. All of our events and programs are free to filmmakers thanks to our presenting sponsor, Black Magic Design.